Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a soft place to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play it against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Powered by Bama Hammer. P.U. What a stinker. Man, this is one of those games the coach says you just flush down the toilet and you just kind of flip the page to the next day. I don't even know if the coaches were able to even go back and watch much of this footage. This, this has to be one of the most miserable games I have ever watched. And thank goodness I didn't travel to the game to witness that garbage. Hey, you know, you pretty much summed it up. I don't recall, and I'm sure they're out there. We've been following the Tide for a while. I'm sure there's other stinkers of this magnitude out there, but good gracious. This this is uh this ranks right up there or right down there, however you wanna however you wanna say it, and flush this one away is is about right. You know, I was thinking earlier today, what was it, nineteen ninety three when a tie to Tennessee felt like a uh felt like a win. And here it is, 2014, and a win over Arkansas. Boy, it feels like a loss, doesn't it? It does. And, I mean, teams circle us on their calendar. When you get beat 52 to nothing two years in a row, right, this is, this is your Super Bowl. This is your, you know, this is your championship game, right? This is their bowl game. I mean, every team that plays us is going to give us their best shot. And um, I will tell you, I know we're going to talk about defense in a minute, but I will tell you that if they had a better quarterback, we would have lost that game. We should have lost this game. We deserve to lose this game. And if they had a quarterback who was halfway worth a damn, we would have lost, and we would have lost handily. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I was maybe considering him for game ball game ball consideration because you know he definitely uh, definitely kept us kept us in the game. But uh, yeah, let's let's start with offense. 
I don't know that there's a lot to talk about, but uh, talk us through on offense. What did you see that caught your eye? Well, first of all, we just consistently could not run the ball. Um, they showed a stat at the beginning of the third quarter because they took the lost yards and netted sure. them out. We had one yard of rushing at the beginning of the third quarter when we were averaging 230 yards a game. But, you know, we we obviously had a new center in there um, in his first start. We obviously had Alfonso in there at right guard. I noticed numerous plays that I went back and rewinded, and we just got beat at the point of attack. It's simple football, four on four. Their four beat our four. And uh, we, we put our quarterback in third and long situations. And uh, a fairly new quarterback on the road, that's just not going to work. I definitely agree. One, one thing that stood out to me, and, and I didn't go back and watch it and chart every play, but I think Bradley Bozeman, the, the new starting center uh, with Ryan Keller being out, I think he was telegraphing some of the plays. There were a couple times it actually looked like they could have called him for a false start when he would appear to just lurch out to run block ahead of snapping the ball. Uh, normally you see the ball transition and then the center lurches, uh, but he was very perceivably out in front of the whole rest of the entire line while the quarterback was still waiting uh, for the ball to uh, to be snapped. Could have been a false start there a couple times. And then, you know, of course, every time he did that, it was a running play. And, and, and he, he seemed to be more back on his heels when he was going to be in, uh, in a, a pass block situation. And I wonder if, you know, they always tell the defensive lineman, watch the knuckles and, and see, you know, how much weight he's putting uh, on the knuckles. I think you could probably watch Bozeman, you know, where was he putting his weight on on the on a on his heels uh, or the balls of his feet? It just seemed like there's an opportunity there. Oh, sure. And I noticed Leon Brown came in at the end of the game. We started getting a little push at the point of attack when when he came in and sub for Alfonso. So uh, not sure where the right guard position is at this point. But, you know, Darius Phelan and Trey Flowers, you know, veteran senior guys on the Arkansas line. You know, it reminded me of the Virginia Tech game, you know, last year where we talked about yeah. we couldn't get any push up the middle, right, because they had two really good interior defensive linemen. Well, they had two really good defensive linemen on, on our right side, and we got nowhere from the center down. I mean, Austin Shepard got beat. We would pull Airy. He would get beat. Brian Vogler would get beat. The running backs would try to block the defensive end. Instead of standing up and blocking him, they'd dive at his feet. He would leap past them and sack the quarterback. The blame goes around. I mean, we, we only had success running around the left edge. And that was in itself very little did we have success there. Yeah, you know, I think the Vitek game is an apt comparison because that was a very frustrating offensive performance. It'd be neat to kind of go back and compare the numbers. You know, we put the points on the board against Vitek. You know, we had an interception return for a touchdown, and we had a couple of special team plays with Christian Jones, and we'll certainly get to special teams and Christian Jones. But, yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. where We were kind of stood up at the at the line and um and struggled you know i do want to give credit uh and and i think we're doing this but i want to be you know very straightforward in this i want to give some credit to arkansas you know they've given every team that they've played uh in the sec uh this season every bit of all they've wanted you know auburn and 
uh, who was it, A&M, they, they should have beat. They're on the come. Uh, this is not going to be their year, but, uh, man, they're they're on the come. It looks like Billima uh, is uh, is doing some positive things there. Uh, I, you know, I knew he was a good coach. I knew he would get them somewhere. Their record doesn't show it in the way that you would want to if you were an Arkansas fan. But, um, you know, their team's really putting it on the line. For an Arkansas fan, this is a fun team to watch. It is. They were, um, you know, I was surprised that the that the commentator said that they were the, um, I think at the beginning of the game he mentioned they were averaging six foot six, 320, 30 pounds. Yeah, biggest line in the country, and they made a, you know, sort of a big production value over that. Well, they made a point to even say it was the biggest, uh, that it was a bigger offensive line than anyone in professional football also. Okay. Which I was like, wow. So, you know, and uh, their their left tackle was six foot ten. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, that's gonna help your six foot six average. But, you know, we'll go to special teams in a minute. I want to spend a lot of time on that because I that pet peeve is your pet peeve is now my pet peeve and sure. I'm kind of fed up with it. But when you're putting your quarterback in in third and long situations because you're not getting a push at the point of attack, it also doesn't help when you don't have any uh, many possessions with the ball. So I, I think another thing that's very frustrating is, um, you know, we only had, you know, 50-something offensive plays in the whole game. And um, we didn't have a lot of opportunities because there were uh, a lot of three-play uh, drives in this ball game. Yeah, we had 53 uh, to their 79. That contrast is pretty stark. You know, they had 25% more uh, offensive plays uh, than we did. We had uh, at one point it was five. I, I went back and and just ran through the stat sheet real quick before we started the call, and uh, I came up with six three and outs. So five or six three and outs. You know, last week we talked about you know six punts were were too many. Well, we had seven punts this week, and you know five or six of them were three and outs. Uh, a couple of those three and outs were zero yards gained on the drive. You know that's pretty atrocious. We had two hundred twenty seven, two hundred twenty seven yards of total offense when you put up a number like that that's almost a third uh or that's right at a third of what we put up against uh against florida but tommy 227 that makes stallings blush well that's we were we were averaging more rushing yards per game alone than that yeah with one half of the offense right and so you know also you know the play calling also frustrated me i just i feel like the you know I just feel like the 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 first and second down play calls were very conservative. We kept trying to establish a run, which is something you need to do, and then we would put him in third and seven and third and eight situations, and uh, he did not look very comfortable in those third and long situations. There were a couple times that he made some good decisions, but there were several times that he threw the. Well, I won't say several times. There are two or three times. Another game ball could go to the DBs for Arkansas because, I mean, you, you teach these kids to, to catch the ball with their hands. These guys are college football players. They've played for 16 or 17 years. If, if their two DBs know how to catch a ball, they get two interceptions because yep. the ball was thrown where it shouldn't have been. Yep. You know, I've just got a couple other things I want to touch on offense and, and we can move along because this is one of those, you know, nothing to see here, folks, but – you know, Sims eleven for twenty-one, two touchdowns. Eh, you know, that's those those aren't really good days. You know, that kind of day looks really good when you rush for two fifty, uh, but when you rush for sixty-six, it looks like, you know, crap. And and just inexplicably, 
his you know fourth and uh, you know third or fourth and inches and uh, what he's thinking when he tries to go over the top. I mean, you know, both Saban and, and Kiffin were pretty clear over the TV screen that uh, that's not how the play was designed. That wasn't how it was coached. That how it wasn't how it was called. Uh, that's about one of the ugliest things that I've seen in it. And look, it just reminded me of that's the Sims that we've seen in A-Day the last couple of years. I hate to kind of, but that's where it took me. That's where it took me. Seeing him jump up like that took me back to seeing him in A-Day the last couple of years. Well, here, here's what I'll say. You know, Saban has come out to say that he overruled that play call. <clears throat> Lane Kiffin wanted to hand the ball off to a running back. Saban said it's fourth and a you know it's fourth and you know half a football or a fourth of a football. We should easily be able to get this with the quarterback sneak. We don't want to take sure. the ball into the backfield. So Saban said, "My bad there," but you could see him like, "Why would you go up? Right? Why, why would you, you go do that?" Up? Well, now, he said, "You know, if it, and and it's part of that same interview. It's like we teach our coaches, we teach our you know we coach our players how to run a sneak. That is not anything we've ever coached." <laughs> Well, that was him making a bad decision under pressure, right? Yep. I will say to be fair, okay, so everybody doesn't beat up on me about Blake Sims. You put your quarterback in third and seven, third and eight, and third and nine situations on those five or six third down plays, you put him in a in a bad situation. Okay. So did he did he make a couple throws that weren't great throws? Yes. But let me quickly say some things he did really well, okay? The touchdown to TJ Yeldon was a great decision on his part. Yes. Because he went to scramble. The two linebackers completely left Yeldon. They just stopped covering him. And he said, okay, I'll float the ball over their head. The guy jumped up, and when you went back and rewinded it, he barely, barely didn't get his his hand on the ball. And so he had to put some touch on that ball to drop it over to Yeldon. That was a great play. His other touchdown to DeAndre White was also broken coverage. Four Arkansas guys said, this is where they throw to Jostin Fowler, right? We're going to mug Jostin Fowler. They left DeAndre White wide open, but he still found him in traffic. Both of those plays, one was a rollout to the left, one was a rollout to the right. I think this kid is very comfortable when he gets out of the pocket Yes, and he can see more of the field. Yes. So I hope they keep doing that. I will also say on the interception that should have been in the end zone, okay, first time I watched it through, I said, why did Blake Sims throw that ball? The next time I watched it and the third time I watched it, I said, you know what? That wasn't his fault. That was Amari Cooper's fault. When you go back and watch the footage, Amari Cooper breaks off the route. Yes, he does. He stops. And I'm sorry you've only played together five football games. You don't break off the route on a new quarterback in game five. You break off the route on a third-year senior quarterback who knows to throw it over the other shoulder. But you don't do that to him. So right. that was not his fault. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. You know, I want to go back to, to play calling here a little bit. And, and you know where I'm going to end up here. But, you know, I want to start out with – you know, O.J. Howard had one catch, 47 yards. Cam Sims had one catch for 15 yards. Justin Fowler had one catch for nine yards. You know, you have a team that's struggling to get first downs. You, they're taking away your primary 
your known primary receiver, and you have three guys that come in with one each one catch, and they're very productive moving the change chains. To me, if you want to get Amari open, it's if you want to get more balls to Amari, it's easy. Give more balls to other players. Uh, that will soften up the defense. That will also soften up the run. We just seem to struggle. If you have to roll them out to do that, w- do whatever you need to do. But when you have these guys racking up these kinds of catches, but they only just get one of them, they're racking up these kinds of yards, and you're struggling to move the chains, I do not understand why you go, why you don't go to them more often. And then Amari Cooper, two catches, 22 yards, continued to force the ball to him. Uh, we've talked about his significance as a player. Anywhere he is on the field, he's going to draw coverage and make it easier for the rest of the team to play ball. We don't take advantage of that. And, in fact, we abuse that. We continue to go to him. And then when he gets dinged up and, the, and you see the wide receiver, the future of the wide receiver core sort of flash between our eyes, you know, he comes back into the game. And what do you do? You run him on an end around. Your favorite play. I was hoping you were going to bring that up, man. So you've got that so, was absolutely the worst offensive play call of the game. You just want to throttle someone for that because we talk about you know he's such an, a valuable commodity to the the offense, just an incredible game breaking uh, talent. And we've lost Kenyon, so we don't have as many dynamic players uh, on offense. And so here's one that wherever you line them up, the defense is paying attention to that. And so then he gets hurt. Then you think. Well, he's going to come back into the game, so he's not dinged up enough, but he's not 100% either. And I don't know that he's played very many games at the capstone uh, 100%. And so what do you do instead of, hmm, let's double down on protecting this guy? No, let's double down putting him in harm's way, and we run for uh, run a reverse that loses six yards. I just, I just about got up and walked away at that point. That was so frustrating to see that play out in that way. It could have, that could have been devastating. Uh, fortunately it wasn't. Hopefully, you know, he's going to bounce back and be okay, but that's just not how you use a talent like that. It is not how you use a talent. And that just shows that they were trying to force it. Right. And they were trying to force it to him. That just makes you wonder who called that play. I just, I, I want to know, I'd love to know who called that play. I just, I just don't understand why, I just don't understand why we aren't running the, as far as the running game is concerned, I don't understand why we're not doing more of the trap block plays, plays to give these tight ends and H-backs some leverage, right? I would have loved to have done some trap blocks on that Trey Flowers and kicked him out, okay? But yet we didn't do that. Did we run any I-formation running plays? No, we didn't. It was a lot of of, uh, empty formations on third and long. So Blake's back there all by himself and he's got no options. Yeah. So, but I'm glad you mentioned the Amari Cooper thing. Cause that was just very frustrating. I just, I, I couldn't believe that, uh, that they called the play. What did you think about the backs? How did you, what did you think about, um, about Derek Henry's running style in the game versus Yeldon? You know, he seemed to, he seemed to run with a little more tenacity than, than he did last week. Yeldon is, Yeldon is steady. Uh, I don't. I don't really perceive any difference in the way Yeldon was running this week than probably any time in his career. He just didn't have room to run. And and to double back to to what you said, you know, football is a game. It's a chess match. It really is. And so 
you know, when Fowler or when Flowers is crashing the line, you know, it's all about the adjustments you do. We don't like what you're what you're doing, so we're going to scheme in such a way to take advantage of what you're doing. And so you're going to you want to crash the line, then then we're gonna then we're gonna trap you, and then and then you're gonna be reluctant to crash the line so much. We did not sort of counter their move. We just allowed them to build upon their move. And it was it was they were making moves that we didn't like. We just didn't seem very willing or able to counter them, and 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 that was frustrating. So I I don't know if I answered your question, but uh, no, you did, no, you did, and we we also didn't call but one screen. We tried to force one screen, right? That's another great play to call. Yep. Um, how about a draw? You know, I haven't seen us run a draw, so just just very frustrated by the by the play calling. Anything else that jumped out at you on on offense? No. Why don't you give me your mini game ball, <sighs> man? Mini game ball that that's that's tough, man. As far as the offensive side of the ball, just because of the just because of the stats that were put up, you know, I'm I'm going to go against the grain and and I'm going to give mine to T.J. Yeldon. Okay, and I know he's not mini game ball, and I'm just going to quickly do it because um of of his touchdown catch play. When you go back and rewind that ball that was dumped to him by Blake Sims, the effort he showed to cross the goal line. He actually torqued his body where he could roll on top of the DB. The Arkansas guy made the mistake like he he was taking his momentum to the left, and so the Arkansas guy rolled with it, and therefore he was able to roll on top of him so his knee wouldn't touch the ground mm-hmm. before he could stick the ball over the goal line. And that was just a phenomenal play, and so I'm giving it to him for that, even though I know he's a headliner. No, that's fair. That's fair. I'm going to break the mini game ball. I'm not given one. I did not see anything on offense. And that was a great play. And there were, you know, we scored two touchdowns and, you know, but there just wasn't a mini game ball performance. There were a couple of plays, sort of flash, flash in the pan kind of plays, but there was no sustained excellence that I saw. I'm not awarding a mini game ball on offense. Well, I think TJ Yeldon did what he could, you know, you sure. always want to you, you always want to get a head on a head, right? And give him one guy to miss. Well, he had way more than one guy he had to make miss. Oh, absolutely. And so um I thought it was a, a workmanlike effort from him, but um I, I would agree that there wasn't much uh, standout performances. Hey, let me start off on defense if I Go can before you steal my thunder. Just looking at the top of the stat sheet, I just loved seeing Xavier Dixon and Reggie Raglan um at the top. And uh, don't worry, A. Shannon, we'll get to you in a minute. But Reggie Raglan, we are watching this boy come out. And we are watching Xavier Dixon come out. And we are watching Ryan Anderson come out a little bit. And I'm just so happy that all three of those guys are stepping up and making plays. Well, we knew that our linebackers would in a game like this, right? They're crash-the-box type linebackers. You know, Trey Priest had one of his better days and actually had a touchdown saving play that that we'll talk about. The fact that Raglan was all over the field or you know kind of all over the line of scrimmage making plays was not a surprise. Uh but then to see them sort of take advantage of him in uh in in coverage, which they did, sometimes they weren't able to always connect, but uh you know they tried to to work against him in coverage too. They just didn't have the success that uh, certainly that they had diagrammed uh, in in uh, in drawing up their game plans. 
Yeah, yeah. But you know, but you, but you know, talking about Reggie Ragland real quick. When I went back and looked at some of those plays when he would knife in the backfield, what was interesting about the way Arkansas schemed it, because we talked about him and Trey DePriest being, you know, heavier linebackers, right? When they would scheme it, they would have a lineman go block Trey DePriest, and they would leave Reggie Ragland open on more than one occasion. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, if I had to pick which one of you guys I'm going to let run free, it's going to be Trey, not Reggie. I'm sorry. I think Reggie has a little bit more burst than Trey does. And uh, so there was a couple times that he had to he had to find the right angle and he had to knife in at a 45-degree angle to get to the backfield, and he did. And, um, and that play he made on the tight end to push him out of bounds so he wouldn't have a completion, you know, yep. was also a pretty good play for uh, – a guy who has still just played in his fifth game at that position. Yeah, he's going to develop and and be uh, you know a better player. And so we come back next year, and you know why were you so always so critical on on Ragland? I I really like him as a player. I just think he's a more crash the box linebacker. I think if we had if we and and I hate to see. I hate to keep kind of hearkening on, you know, Mosley because, you know, he was sort of an uber talent and, and of course he's not here. But if you had a trade a priest and a Mosley, we saw that last year. If you had this version of Raglan and a Mosley, well, now you've got something. But when you've got two linebackers that are of the same style, and that is a style that's limited against pass uh, passing teams, you know, fortunately Arkansas wasn't that much, that good of a passing team. You know, I just think I just think it stifles us on defense, and so you know, fortunately, we had a matchup that was a little more favorable in that regard, and all of our linebackers kind of cleaned up. I mean, we're seeing Ryan Anderson kind of break out, and you you mentioned him, uh, certainly Xavier Dixon as well. So uh, we're we are seeing some improved play at linebacker, but the matchups kind of dictated that we would see some improved uh, play at linebacker in this contest. Oh, sure, but I would argue they had two very athletic tight ends, and they could have made our life more miserable between the hashes, and they just didn't go to it. They didn't go do it enough. I don't well, know if the quarterback could have got him the ball consistently because he threw the ball over tons of their heads. Yeah, but their two tight ends were pretty fast. The guy that you know, it was a tight end that that Gino underestimated who who whooped him for fifty four yards. So yeah. they, their tight ends definitely had some giddy up in them. Yeah, like you know, their quarterback kept us in the game, right? If he had completed some passes, if they had worked to the tight ends in 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 the middle of the field, if he had made a couple, you know, better decisions, he he went for the end zone at one one time, and he should have taken the you know the slot receiver on the running the crossing route who was wide open, uh, you know, in in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, even the commentator said, you know, heck, your check down may have even scored on that play because he was so wide open. You know, he there were opportunities like that that he left on the field very easily. You know, they could have won by double digits if their quarterback play was just, you know, 8% better. No, that's true. Hey, a couple other things I noticed on defense very quickly. I noticed we did a lot of three. Well, I noticed we did a lot of three and, you know, some four down linemen. Yep. But I didn't see Brandon Ivory in the game that much. Which oh, was no, I saw him in there a lot. We brought. I think he started the game, and we we brought a lot of beef in there. We had him in there. We had Jaron. We had Ashawn. We had Darren Lake. We rotated a lot uh, nose guard slash defensive tackle types. 
Well, I don't have the snap count, but I, I will tell you that I do not think that he got as much run as some of the other guys. Um, he he did start the game, but he didn't seem to be out there as much as Jaron Reed. Uh, it no. seemed to me more seemed to me more Jonathan Allen, Ashawn, Jaron Reed, and DJ Petway before Petway got hurt. But I was surprised to see Darren Lake out there. Just very quickly, didn't get to see the severity of DJ Petway. You know, he 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 made the quarterback very uncomfortable, buckled his knee. I hope he's okay. Yep. But um, you know, because um that looked like it could be, you know, bad. I'm surprised we're not seeing any uh Deshaun hand out there. Yep. Just because of the I mean, he was your number one, you know, player in the country last year and he got some run early in the year. Couple other quick things. Didn't see any impact from Dylan Lee. So I was surprised he got the start. Obviously, Denzel Duvall is, you know, is out. Were you surprised Dylan Lee started? And I did not think he made an impact. No, I was not necessarily surprised to see him start. You know, I had him pegged as a starter kind of at the beginning of the year. I, I you know, I guess I would have expected to see him make some some type of impact. But, uh, no, I wasn't surprised that he was out there. I think he's a little – a little more uh, capable in coverage, you know, not not to kind of go back to my old Saul on our linebackers, but I think he's a little more capable in that area. And so, and we've wondered, what are we going to do to accommodate this? Are we going to play a lot of dime? Are we going to put some young guys out there? And uh, it's not something that, you know, from the quarterback, from the linebacker position, we can get healthy real quickly. But uh, I think that, Potentially, he's a step in that direction because I think he's a little more capable uh, in coverage. I'm just wondering if they should try him at nickel and give him <laughs> a chance because you're not going to put him in the middle with Reggie and Trey, right? Right. Those right. because because he's not as big as they are. He just didn't seem comfortable outside, and maybe that's because this is his first start. To be fair, well, I think but we just moved him outside too. Right, right. So, so you know, he did have four tackles on the game. So he, you know, he had more tackles on the game than some other players who have played many, many, many games. So he did, he did, you know, he did finish, you know, in the middle of the pack on the stat sheet. Did you notice Tim Williams? I wanted to point out that you know Tim Williams, who obviously is working his way back in the rotation, he came in late in the game, and it was on third down only. And one time they would edge him on the right, and he would beat the six foot ten tackle. The next third down and long, they would put him on the left end and go against the right tackle. And he did not get a sack, but that boy has got some burst, and he got a he got a mitt on that quarterback jersey two or three times in yep. that second half. Yeah, he really made an impact. We talked about you know we've talked about their quarterback play. Uh, it is fair. To say that we have, and and it's you know it's the line that that Saban has all the time. We affected the quarterback. Uh, we didn't get as many sacks as as we would like, but we certainly affected his ability uh, to play, uh, you know, the game and and you know complete passes with the with a little more precision. So that was one of the better performances uh, I think of our defensive line all season. It was it was a very nice play, and I will I will I just. It was it was so interesting how we'd bring him in in to your chess match, and maybe I'm more excited right now because the defense deserves it because they played pretty well except for a couple misplays. 
I just like the chess match of one third and long. He'll be on the right side. Yep. Next third and long, he'll be on the left side. Hey, I was surprised we didn't see Rashawn Evans on the defense getting a little run out there in the rotation. I still think he's a guy that they need to give more run to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's you know, there's still a couple things I want to hit here as well. But, yeah, I agree with that. What do you think about uh, Eddie Jackson coming in uh, over Tony Brown? You know, that's got to be a nod to experience. He was beaten twice by the tight end that we were just talking about. Yep. They split the tight end wide. He did a slant route. He used his body. He beat Eddie a couple times. Eddie, on the big 54-yard touchdown, to be fair, I don't understand why DBs don't wrap up and tackle at the waist. You go for the waist, the body comes down. Yeah. On that 54-yard pass, you sit there and go grab at his shoulders, and he just stiffs arms you away. You should have had him tackled at the 15-yard line, if you want my true opinion. And so that should have never been a touchdown. So do, do I think he did anything wow in the game? No, I don't. Was I glad he was out there? Yes. Was I surprised? A little. Yeah. I thought that, Tony might be the starter. No, I thought Tony might, might would be the starter again. You know, I, everybody knows if you, if you listen long enough, I, I, I really like Eddie Jackson. And so, uh, I, you know, I say that really to say this, there were a couple of times he looked like he was playing a little bit of a half speed, uh, kind of game. Uh, it may have been the way we were dialing up the coverages, but he seemed to always know or expect that Landon Collins had his over the top. And, you know, every time I saw that, he was right. Uh, but he seemed to to turn around and see, okay, Landon's got that. And then he would just, you know, play still live, ball still in the air, but he just seemed to, you know, take a half a step off. And, uh, you know, maybe we're preserving, you know, watching him for his knee Maybe we're letting Cyrus take care of one side and, and we're kind of uh, blending coverage here on the other side. I don't know exactly what it is, but there were a couple times it just seemed like he was running a little bit out of half speed, uh, especially when, we, when he saw that Landon had his over the top. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice that, but I did seem I, – I did notice that, that he didn't seem to really be um, – you know, shutting any plays down on, on his side of the ball. He just wasn't flying around. Maybe that's the better way of saying it. He just didn't seem like he was flying around and getting in everybody's business and everybody's play. You know, if it's two B, if it's a, you know, the, the cover corner and an over the top free safety, and they're both jumping in the air with the receiver to go for the ball, you know, you see more of that rather than one of the corner, one of the corners, in this case, the corner. Saying I'll let the I'll let the free safety get that, I, and I that just could be the him knee. all up in the play. That could be the knee, but the could but be, the, could but, be. The, but the but the physical game that we've been accustomed to him having, he did not have. Right, and maybe that's why it stood out to me so much because I've seen the template that is Eddie Jackson, and my, do I like it? And I did not see that same template uh, Saturday. No, I agree. Hey, a couple quick things, a couple more quick things here. Ashawn Robinson, sorry it took me so long to get to you. I love his motor. He's a five-star, came in as a stud. That fumble does not happen without Ashawn Robinson. Nope. And I went back and I rewound rewound the play twice to just set it up. He was outside the six-foot-ten left tackle. The left tackle just goes up the next level, says there's no way he's going to get to the play. 
and you just super slow-mo it, and you just see him trail that play, and then he tackles like you're supposed to. He yep. tackles through the ball carrier. He tackles in a fierce way, and he causes the fumble. Yep. And then, then what does he do? He goes and congratulates the rest of the team. It's not, look what I did. It's, look what we did. I just, I love the kid. I just, I just love his effort. And, and I think that was a hu- obviously a huge play for it to be a fumble, but we're not getting enough fumbles on defense, and it's because enough guys are not hitting people like he did. Yeah, and he, he will make plays all over the field because he does not give up on a play. We've seen him make plays uh, downfield because he will continue his pursuit. This is a guy that, you know, I don't know, this is probably not a grand prediction, but he's a top 10 draft pick. You know he's only a sophomore, so he's got a he's got another year. But this is the kind of kid you go and you put his tape in, and you see his motor, his nonstop motor, and the fact that he is making plays all over the field, in the backfield, down the field, right sideline, left sideline, and you think, man, that's a three hundred pound. I'm not saying say kid, that's a three hundred twenty man. Yeah, that's this a man making this, these plays. This and, is a man who can you can put on any place on the defensive line. And Bama fans need to enjoy him because he will not be here for his senior year. No, he no, he won't. He's 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 going to be one of those three year guys, and they're going to be able to put tape. Uh, uh, you know, you'll be able to put tape on for him, and you won't know is that his is is that his you know his third year, junior year, was that his freshman year, was that when was that in his career? Because it's not something like it's developed uh, over his career. Uh, it's something that he's had since day one. It's just who he is. God made Ashawn Robinson to be a defensive lineman. He's just one of those guys. And, uh, yeah, he's a top ten draft pick in the NFL next year and probably probably going to be one of the safer picks. No, absolutely. Hey, um, I don't know how best to cookie coat, you know, cookie cut this or sugarcoat this. I'm not going to. Lay it out there. Um, we need to see more Jabril Washington. Okay? okay. I did say that. We need to see less Nick Perry. I'm sorry. He's a nice kid. He's a fifth-year senior. I think he's done a lot for this program, but we need to give some run to some other players along with him at that position because when he is back in a single high set in the center field, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, If if we want to pick on another player – Not trying to pick on him. I'm just calling it for what it was. On that 54-yard touchdown, he's in the center field. He's 20 yards off the ball. He sees him do a cross. He sees Cyrus Jones not go with the guy. And by the time he realizes where the guy is, the guy is turning up the sideline. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's lost. We know we've talked about this, right? He has lost his starting job at least twice over his career. The resilience that he's demonstrated to come back and and um, you know, Bradley Silva, you can't find him with a map, right? This Nick Perry has lost his starting job twice, and he's still out there battling and still, you know, kind of earning uh, a, a starting job. So I give him kudos for that. For yes, that. I give him props for that. I just, I, but it doesn't take away the fact that you wonder, you know, when is he going to lose the job again? And you know, maybe that's maybe that's it's kind of unraveling. You know, right now I said pick on, and so that's probably the wrong word. Let me call out, you know, and and if there's burying a lead on on uh, uh, defense, it's it's Landon Collins, eight tackles, two pass breakups, uh, the game clinching interception, and I'll tell you who he reminded me of. 
not because of his number, not because of his stature, because, you know, he's he's bigger than this guy. But, uh, you know, go back in the Wayback Machine. But he reminds me of Tony Dixon, who sometimes you just wondered if there's not three guys out there named Tony Dixon wearing number 24. Landon Collins, you know, how many Landon Collinses were there out there on the field? Because one of them just seemed to be making a play everywhere. I think he took it upon himself to turn the page from the game before. Yep. And I do think that, you know, they, they're moving him all over. They're putting him in the linebacker box. They're having him blitz the quarterback off the edge. You know, going back to Nick Perry real quick, I'm not against Nick Perry. Nick Perry's doing something I didn't do. Sure, He's playing sure, college sure. football. But what I'm confused by is why we we seem only comfortable putting Nick Perry up high. Okay? We are not putting Jarek Williams up high by himself. We are not putting Landon Collins up high by himself. And very rarely do we put Geno Smith up top by himself. I just don't understand why we don't either do a too deep and give Nick help or try moving Nick closer to the line of scrimmage and let him see how he affects the play there and just try some other sets. I just well, don't understand I, why we're not trying some other stuff. Well, I, and that's fair. We can try, you know, different things, but – but you know, part of, I wonder. I wonder if part of the answer is what we saw with with Vinny Sinceri. Vinny Sinceri was not a, a single high free safety because of his coverage ability at all. Uh, he was manning that position because he knew where to make sure everyone was lined up correctly. And so I wonder. That's all it is. You know, Nick Perry's dad is not, you know, one of the defensive coaches like Sanceri's was for for a spell there. But you wonder, what well, does Nick Perry just know the defense better? He's a fifth-year guy. He also, than everybody else. He just know it better, yes. and he can make sure everyone's lined up. You know, that's a theory that I have, but then I could argue against myself and say, well, I've never seen him really co- correct a lot of folks' alignment like, like you see with, you know, like you would see with Vinny. So – I don't may, know if it, that's the it, answer, but that's the closest thing. That's the closest I've got to an answer. It could make you, but it can make, but it could explain why he's, you know, he's the one getting all the reps there, right? Yes. Because we've seen Jabril. Jabril hasn't done anything when he came out there to make people say, you know, I mean, Jabril's Jabril's done okay out there. Gino's done okay out there. I'm just, you know. It just seems like we're sticking Nick Perry on an island by himself. And so when I highlight the 54-yard touchdown that was so frustrating because it was a three-play drive and it's the only points they got in the whole second half because the defense played so well, you know, you're going to make mistakes, right? You're going to have busted coverage. You're going to blow coverage. But I just don't understand why we keep sticking him out there on an island all by himself in deep center field. Well, I, I wonder if it's not, and, and I'm trying to remember the uh, the defensive back's name, but I wonder if it's not a Corey Reamer effect or, um, oh, hell, who was that uh, walk-on uh, safety, Will Will something or another. I, I need to look that up. But you know that they weren't the most talented players but they knew where to line up, and they were the least likely to make a mistake. And that so, has to be it. Yeah, and and so who's you know their their athletic potential has a cap, but you know they may have a low cap, but they've got a um, what are, they may have a, a low ceiling, but they've got a high floor. 
I guess is what I'm trying to say, is they operate in that in that space where they're they're very unlikely to make a mistake and very unlikely to make a super dynamic play. And Saban says, well, if I have to choose, then I will go for no mistake because if I can count on players, and isn't that what he always talks about, if I can count on players, then that's something I can work with. But if I can't count on you, I can't work on that because I can have 10 guys doing exactly what 10 guys need to be doing, and they'll score a touchdown every time one guy's not doing what he needs to be doing. No, that's fair. Hey, uh, anything else on defense before we do game balls? Nah, give me your mini game ball. Man, I struggled, man, because there were so many good plays. I mean, we really did a great job. I mean, between the quarterback play of Arkansas and our defense, you know, they are really the stars of this game. Um, But I'm going to give it to Xavier Dixon. It shouldn't surprise you. Okay. Uh, Big stop on fourth and one at a key point in that fourth quarter. Yes. And um, I just, you know, I'm glad – I'm. You said it best when when I mean it is so exciting to me that we have we have had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which is never exciting, but it just shows you the depth of talent that this team has. We have got five true sophomores right now making key plays on defense in their second year. Yep. And that is exciting. Yes, that is exciting. That is exciting. You know, this was the kind of game if you were giving away game balls, you'd have to have a lot of balls. Because you know you've got DePriest and Collins and Raglan uh, all making plays. You've got Cyrus Jones making uh, making some plays. We've talked about Ashawn. There's just a lot of uh, there were a lot of top tier performances out there. You take a team that's averaging 316, almost 317 yards rushing per game, and you hold them to 89 rushing yards. There's a lot of plays being made. You know they had 79 offensive plays. There's a lot of defensive plays being made to keep them out of the scoreboard and to keep them from running up uh, yards up and down the field. I want to I want to call out a guy that we've not uh, yet necessarily talked about, and uh, I, I want to call out Jaron Reed for his motor and his hustle. And uh, I, I think he had two pass breakups. You can almost count on him getting a pass breakup a game. He just seems to always have a, a mitt in the air, tapping the ball. And uh, the fact that he had two and he showed a constant uh, motor, uh, he, he, he may not have made a, a headline kind of play like some of these other guys, but he's out there contributing uh, with, uh, with every opportunity that he has. And so in the spirit of the mini game ball, I just want to give him a tip of the cap. Hey, man, that's awesome, man. Why don't you start with our punter on special teams as we flip the field again? Because that's the only good thing to talk about on special teams. Well, I, you know, you could argue that the punter won the game for us. You know, just just with with flipping the fields, our offense couldn't move the ball. But, you know, our our punter, you know, typically you think of a punter as being a defensive player, right? Because it's it's pin the pin the other team back. It's almost like he was an offensive weapon uh, with with some of the stuff that he was doing. I mean, he averaged forty four uh, yards a game. Uh, or 44 yards a, a kick during this game, which is below his season average, which is by itself phenomenal. You know, he had eight punts, and so we need to ice. We need to go ice that leg down. But I tell you what's amazing is of his eight punts, seven were downed inside the 20. And this is the stat to me that just jumps off the page and, and just incredible like. But of eight punts, zero return yards. No, that's phenomenal, and and I noticed three, two or three times where 
you know, he would kick the ball from his 15, right? I wasn't yep. looking at the line of scrimmage. I was looking how far he really kicks the ball. Sure, sure. Um, he doesn't get the credit that he should get, right? And so he, it would leave his foot at the 15, and it would go to their 15, or it would leave the foot at the 17 and go to their 17. And I turned to my wife, and I'm like, that's what you call flipping the field right there. Sure, and, sure. And, and the thing that really jumped out at me was at the end of the first half when we should have gotten in field goal position, we did not, and we wanted to take a delay a game, and Arkansas said, nope, we declined the penalty. Which We're going to make call. you kick good, it. For- good move on their part. Good move on their part. What does he do? He puts a nice backward rotation on the ball yep. and kills the – I mean, he, 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 he drops it at the 10, and it slowly trickles to the, to the gunners. They, they, they could have, like, had a sandwich waiting for it to come to the two-yard line. Yep. I was like, were, oh, that is so freaking they, awesome. They were, they were lined up waiting for the ball to trickle to them. I mean, that's how you would draw it up. That's how you would want to, want to see that. And, you know, very rarely do you – uh, even when you do have a talented punter, but man, you know, longtime listeners will will remember how I just was, you know, goo goo for Gaga for you know Brad Wing, the punter at LSU, and man, I I I guess I didn't know I had a thing for punters, but um, man, I am I am a JK kind of guy because this guy is um, he he is phenomenal, the talent and the skill that he has. You know, we talk about Ashawn Robinson's a three year player. You know, and he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. Uh, you know, I, this probably won't happen because punters aren't drafted that high. But if there's ever been a punter that's a three-year player, this is the this is the one. Oh, absolutely, man. This this guy, and, and, and it's starting to get out, right? So these commentators knew about his pedigree, right? Sure. It's starting to get out what this guy, what this guy can do. Yep. Um, Ironically, on their on their fifty-four yard, you know, you said they had seven punts of his eight down inside the twenty. And this is where I'm not gonna hold it, you know, my gosh, if you have seven of your eight inside the twenty, you've done your job. Well, unfortunately, his eighth punt is when Arkansas started at the forty-four yard line. Yep. That's when they had their three play drive to have their fifty-four yard touchdown pass. Yep. No, um Hey, real quick before we get to the to the horrible stuff on special teams, let's just mention Jonathan Allen. Yep, yep. I didn't I didn't mention him earlier because I wanted to save it. Ashawn got the push, but Jonathan put his hand up. Jonathan, you go stand in the line of people that won us the game because that's why the final score was fourteen to thirteen. Yeah, and you know what? You're 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 looking over my shoulder at my notes because I definitely wanted to to touch on touch on Allen and uh, you know definitely give him kudos because that was the margin the game quite clearly you know they talk about PAT is just a, a, a chip shot and you know why do we even do that as part of the game anymore and you know here's why you do it because sometimes it's not that easy and sometimes it can be the margin of the game no absolutely all right yeah yes we have to get to the fun part man our listeners are counting on us to do this and I'm gonna start because I'm not as tactful as you are okay okay when Chris John Jones fumbled the ball on that punt that he had no business fielding, I said, he will not come back in after that first punt. He will not be in there the rest of the game. I was glad to see Cyrus come in, but then I was disappointed that he even got to be on kickoff return. I'm sorry. He does not need to be with all the talented players that we have on this roster with four- and five-star guys at this university, just like you wanted to audition punters, We've got other guys out there that can be one of the two guys on the kick return and can be the punt return guy. 
I know he's a senior. I know he's done a lot of things for us, but he does not need to be the starter at either one of those jobs for the rest of the season. It's it's one of those things. He has done so so fantastic at that job. Some of the things that he's done are, you know, and and just, you know, and people don't remember, but some of the things that he's done you know, we're just phenomenal. We talked about the Vatek game. Well, look, he scored 14 points in that game. And we talked about, or we didn't talk about, but, you know, if you think about the uh, the national championship game against LSU and... and uh, That was his coming out party. You know, that was his coming out party. And, you know, we talked about that. He sat on the bench all of that time and got cold and and literally was, you know, his first play of the game was a punt return that he carried back over the 50 or, you know, up to the 50 or, what, you know, whatever it was. I mean, he's... The, He's done phenomenal plays, and so, I mean, we love the guy for that. But, man, some of the things he's doing this season are just inexplicable. I just do not understand. You, you would you could see if he was doing those as a freshman, and then now he's not doing them. It's like he's regressed instead of progressed because he made so much better decisions earlier in his career than he is now, and I do not understand that. I'm gonna. I want. I want to take a stab. I want to take a stab here. Okay, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll let you finish your thought. I wonder if all of the play calling going to Amari Cooper and trying to give him eight and nine catches a game, right, which is taking balls away from the other guys. I wonder if when Chris John gets out there, because I know the kid cares and I know the kid sure. gives it his all. Absolutely. I wonder if he gets out there and says, "Well, I don't. I don't care where this ball is punted." I'm going to try to make a play because I'm not getting enough touches on the ball. Well, and I kidded about that in 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 a recent uh, in a recent show, and and I I wonder if there's not something to that that he's got to go out there and and try to get his because clearly, and you know the proof is in the pudding, right? The coaches can tell me that they're coaching them not to do that, but he continues to do it. He's done it all season long. And, you know, at some point, if you're coaching him not to do it and you're serious about that, then you do limit his playing time until that lesson gets across. Because that's the big thing that Saban says, you know, we're going to get people that are going to, you know, do that are bought in. And so we must we must not be coaching it because we're not seeing the results. We're not seeing them uh, perform to what we think the standard, you know, well, I mean, who are we? But, you know, not to the standard that we think should be out there. Uh, of the football that we've seen, right? Yes. Of all the years we've watched football combined, you know, 35, 40 years, I mean, that first punt was inexplicable. The fact that he even went any way near that ball was such a bad judgment on his well, part. And to, and, but here, to what end? It's one thing if I'm going to – dash in there, catch the ball, and then run. But he dove in there. He, I mean, to what, what did he end? expect to happen? Yes, what, what does, do you expect you know, to happen? If, so you dive in and you catch it, and then you're just self-tackled in front of these people? I, I don't understand. There's, the no, there's nothing to gain by trying to do that. There's a zero. It's not like he was going to just dash in, catch it on a bounce in his hands, and then run. I mean, I could see... You know, that would at least I could fathom comprehend the idea, but I'm just going to dive in there and catch. To, I don't understand. That's what, what makes me I, think he's forcing the ball. That's what makes me think of what you said before in previous podcasts. He's forcing the issue. Yeah. But I will but tell you, no, there's zero chance that he's going to get any return yards. 
I mean, that's not even a selfish play. That's a bonehead play. But doesn't that explain why when the ball is kicked in the end zone and you want him to down it and take it at the 25, he runs it out to the 17 and loses eight yards? Sure. That would also explain that as well. I could at least comprehend that as, you know, I think I can break one or I'm really talented or I'm just selfish and I want as many yards as I can get. I can at least connect those dots. When when I'm going to dive into this circle of people to to just get this ball that's that's bouncing and, you know, it's not pro where you have to be touchdown. It's college. If you If you dive and catch the ball, you're down at that point. So there is nothing to be gained, absolutely zero to be gained. Man, I was so frustrated with this performance between that fumble, between the kickoff snafu fumbles, between all of the special team fumbles. When I saw Saban, you know, I'm not good at reading lips, but it's not hard on live TV when someone says why very slowly and holds their hands out. I mean, when Saban turned to Chris John Jones and said, why i'm thinking exactly and you know what then he turns and looks at bobby williams when bobby williams doesn't take to go to dakota ball out of the game that cost us a penalty yes you know what i thought as well i said he needs to lose his job i'm sorry he i know he's your buddy i know you've known him since michigan state but it's time for him to go offensive coordinators take it on the chin defensive coordinators take it on the chin I'm sorry. I don't know why he's still there. Well, you know, move into him, move him off the field, administrative or something. But because if if you think about well, what does he coach? You know, the tight ends and the special teams, and you know, maybe we've got a lid on OJ Howard's head because he's not playing tight end like you would hope that he could. And then we've got you know that penalty there, obviously, and our special teams. You know, what have we done? What have we done? We seem to get we seem to get a lot of regression. You know, J.K. Scott's as good as he is because that he brought that talent with him. You know, we don't want him to regress. No, certainly we do not. Uh, and and when we think about some of our kickers, the struggles that they've had. You know, some of the improvement. You know, let's talk about Cade Foster, right? Some of the improvement we've seen with Cade Foster was the result of us bringing in consultants. It's not. It's not the result of the in-house coaching that they get. Uh, he improved when we brought in an outside consultant. And so you wonder, huh, maybe there's an administrative role that we can move you into and that we can bring in someone uh, that can coach, you know, tight ends and, and special teams a little bit better. I do think there's an opportunity to improve our staff in that area. I, I certainly do. I don't um, know Bobby Williams. He's a great, I'm sure he's a great man. Sure, sure, but sure. with the talent that we have, right? We should be playing Beamer ball on special teams. Yes. We should be striking yes. the fear of you know what in play in people every time they drop back to punt, kick the ball off to us, everything. Yep. I agree. And I like the I like sort of the analogy there. We've got the talent to be able to do that. You know, that's that's something that we should take a hard look at. Our coaching staff should uh, and however we do it, I just think uh, that's that's something that we need to uh, absolutely focus on. Uh, you know, look, if we're going to talk about one more, what do you think about Maurice Smith, you know, getting down there, touching the ball? I know he was hit. And, uh, uh, you know, I love the articles that Chris Walsh does where he goes, you know, kind of second, you know, look back over what's happening. He missed a couple in, in this article and and um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. But, he, you know, he mentioned that the TV did not pick up 
that uh, Maurice had been uh, had been pushed. I was watching the game only on TV, and it was quite clear in all of the replays that he was pushed. Now, I don't think the push was material to him touching the ball. I think I think the ball would have hit him anyways. But what the heck was he doing in there that so close to the ball? That was also a bonehead play. And Cyrus Jones, this was punt number two. Cyrus Jones had just been brought in to be the punt returner. He, you know, obviously we can't hear Cyrus on the field, but he's waving his arms. He's flailing around. He's being very obvious to tell people to get out of the way. And either A, Maury Smith just didn't pay attention, or number two, he just thought, how close can I? It's like it's like it's like somebody like trying to you know um, uh, stretch the boundaries, right? Test mm-hmm. the boundaries. How close can I get to this ball and it not hit me? Because I'm sorry, he had to be ignoring Cyrus. You know the one thing, and 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 Saban in, in uh, his post game interview, he talked about you know that's one thing we've got to to- coach up is not just wave him away, but communicate where the ball is. So you're going to wave me away, but here's what you're trying to get away from instead of this arbitrary go away, get away from the ball, get away from the ball. Where the hell's the ball? That's going to help me get away from it if I know where the ball is. And uh, and so you wonder if, well, maybe that's something, you know, because Cyrus was in there that he was not communicating that in the same way that maybe a Christian was. So that is something that's kind of unknowable because that gets to a layer of, of, of nuance that you cannot pick out on the TV. But it does make you wonder if the coach comes back and says that, goes back to special teams, man. It, it, it goes back to what we sure. said a minute ago. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and it's it definitely does come back to that. Uh it does make you wonder if if uh you know the backup, you know, punt returner, kick returners is what caused that, but then hell, they should all be coached up to to do something so basic as that. No, let me quickly say, I don't think that's Cyrus's fault. And the reason I don't think it's Cyrus's okay. fault is because when they walked off the field, all 10 penny uh, Alton Penny and one of the other special teams players whose name is escaping me right this second <laughs> turned around. I'm sorry, it was Derek Henry. And they both looked at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, we know better than this. <laughs> right. Really? Really? I mean, when when several of your teammates look around you as you're walking off the field, and then when he walked off the field and the coach starts talking to him, he's looking around like trying to find somebody to blame. Yeah. I'm sorry. He got to the sideline and he still didn't get what he did wrong. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Sorry, man. That was that was the worst special teams performance I have seen since Nick Saban has been there. Well, and well, it's the worst. It's worse than last week, but it's the worst since last week. And it seems like you know we talked about regression. We seem to be seeing it, you know, heaps of regression. These last couple of weeks of special teams have, has been, you know, about as bad as we've ever seen. Well, once again, we've got a lot of talented kids on this roster. These guys were four and five star studs. If you've got a Maury Smith who doesn't know what he's doing, you put him on the bench. You call Rashawn Evans. You say your numbers up. Do you know how to do this? Okay, let's go run a drill or pick yep. another player. I don't care. Go find some other ones. There's other guys out there that can do it. Yep, I agree. I agree. Anything else? Or you want to talk about uh, next week's uh, tilt with uh, Texas A&M? No, ma'am. I'm I'm surprised we spent that much time on that flusher of a ball game. Let's go ahead and talk about Texas A&M. Man, Texas A&M. I can't believe it's already the Texas A&M game. When we, I, I feel here's here's why I say that. I feel like since the beginning of the season, 
Our defense needs to gel. Our defense needs to come together. The defensive secondary still has a lot of work. And so week over week, I thought, we're going to get better. We're going to gel. And I haven't seen it yet. And I juxtapose that with Texas A&M's just dismantling of South Carolina. And I thought, boy, we are not ready to play that game. We are not ready to play that game. I'm not seeing us develop in the defensive backfield such that we're ready to play that game. And so I sit here. And I look at, you know, Vegas has us a 14-point favorite. And in my mind, I'm still saying we're not ready on the defensive backfield to play this game, yet here it is. So um, I, I don't know how we're 14-point favorites. I, um, I'm i a little bit nervous on this one. You know, th- this, is, this is like a Jekyll and Hyde football team, though. This is a 5-2 and two team, but they could easily – uh, have, you know, three or four wins on the season. They played an overhyped South Carolina team. They should have lost to Arkansas. They were down 28 yep. to 14 with 10 minutes left in the game. And Arkansas, as you said, are just not quite there yet. Yep. But they were dominated by Mississippi State, and they were really not in the Ole Miss game. And so this this is a team that 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 defensive coordinators have figured out. And this brand-new quarterback against South Carolina, you know, South Carolina made some mistakes, and uh, he capitalized. But I, as their season has unfolded, um, I think teams have kind of gotten wise to the, to the scheme that they run. I'm not going to say that they're, they're a system team, but I'm just going to say teams kind of know what they're looking for. Yep. And so um, I'm not as scared of this team now seven weeks. Se- having seen seven of their games, I'm yeah. not as scared of them now as I was after the uh, the 52 points they hung on South Carolina. That's fair. That's fair. What kind of uh, what kind of score or margin are you predicting here? You know, it's the the challenge though is they're still going to be running this empty set with the shotgun and the four wide, right? And we've talked about the challenges. I mean, the front seven has played great for us, but these these small little mishaps in the communication in the backfield is, yep. you know, are we going to give up? We're going to give up three touchdowns on plays that like the 54 yard play. Okay. Cause we gave up one against Ole Miss or the, what the 50 yarder to a tight end against in the Ole Miss game. So I see these guys getting 21 points on us, which is really going to piss me off. And, um, I see us coming out escaping with a 27, 21 game. And I'm going to be very frustrated that we only won by six points. Well, you know, if they're going to score 21 points, there's a part of me that really wants to ask, well, how do we, can we score 21 points? And, you know, surely we can, but, um, you know, maybe it's 24 to 21 or 27 to 21 or 28 to, you know, I don't know, 24 to, yeah, 24 to um, 21 is what I'll go on this one. I definitely, if I was betting football, I'd put points on them in the spread. I would take the points in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to swallow the fourteen and think that we're going to beat them by that many. But uh, you know, such as uh, such as life. Hey, do you have anything else uh, you want to cover? You know, no. I, I just think that um, I think this is a game where you know we just we just really need to to just flush this last one down. Blake Sims is still a young quarterback. Um, he's had to play two games on the road. I want him to come home. I want him to be more comfortable at home. 
and, um, you know, just get back on the right page that, that, you know, people think people at work think I'm crazy when I say we still have a shot out there and we do, but after seeing Mississippi state, you know, dominate an Auburn football team, these guys better, better, you know, get that chin strap tightened a little bit because, uh, this could get ugly in a hurry. If, if they, if they come out like they did last Saturday, they will lose a couple more ball games before the season's over. Oh, without question. And that's, that's why this is what's such a deflating game because you can see it connect dots to, you know, potentially more losses. And then, you know, and it is a game itself that, that we could have lost. Fortunately, we didn't. Uh, hopefully this is the, uh, uh, the splash of cold water or the, you know, the slap on the tail, whatever, whatever it is that this team needed to uh, to get motivated because, you know, everything that we want to accomplish is still there, but it just seems so much more improbable or improbable right now. You know, mo- what's the old saying about baseball, right? Momentum is tomorrow's starter. Well, in college football, you know, momentum is last week's performance. And so, you know, maybe a week from now, we're just rolling over ourselves with how well we've played. And, uh, you know, somewhere we'll have to strike that balance. But, Right now, I find it discouraging, but uh, hopeful, and uh, you know maybe we'll uh, get things geared around appropriately for uh, Texas A&M. One thing is, you know, the two lo- the the loss and the close game were both road games. Maybe getting back in Bryant Denny will settle everyone down. Uh, you know, we do have a a young young and experienced starting quarterback, and and maybe being back in front of the the friendly confines will uh, will impact his play. That's certainly something we have to hope for. No, absolutely. And one more thing, uh, Brian Vogler was sporting a big walking boot after the game. Um, we have not used many tight ends in the running game. So if we're struggling running the ball right now, losing our uh, Brian Vogler combination with Austin Fowler could also prove for an ugly game on the ground uh, on Saturday. Yes. Hey, I want to do something uh, I want to do something a little different. We've been uh, at the end of every show we ask for iTunes updates and uh you know, we've kind of been negligent and going back and giving uh, some shout outs to folks that have given us shout outs. And so I just want to take a minute. Uh, we have uh, over the last couple of weeks, four brand new five star uh, reviews. And so these are always fun to uh, to go through. And we certainly appreciate people's commentaries. But uh, we've got uh, John Stevens, 1515. It's nice to hear talk about football, unlike sports radio and television that only cover off-the-field things. Uh, that's certainly true. Clark Hughes, I, this one I like. I like all of them, but uh, listen to this. I've learned more about Crimson Tide football, uh, the Crimson Tide football team from this podcast than I have from any website or television broadcast. These guys know what they're talking about and are well-spoken. Their knowledge of the players is what impressed me most. I feel that I can watch games now and know who specializes in what and why they are in specific formations. Their attention to the small details of the games highlight interactions and strategies that most would never notice. Great job, guys. I wish I had found the show years ago. Roll time. Hey, man, thanks for that, man. That's awesome. Absolutely. This is one of these emails or one of these names. I don't know what it is. M-T-S, uh, M-T-E-S-K-E-3. Uh, love this podcast. Just discovered this podcast this season, and I am already addicted to it. Love the detailed discussion in each podcast. Uh, podcast. Keep the keep up the great work and roll tide. And then so that's awesome. And then uh, Mark, uh, Mark from Roswell. So he's sort of in our neighborhood. Great Bama football podcast. 
I just this season started listening to this podcast, and I've really enjoyed their content. They call the games as they see them and are fair towards both sides of the ball. They aren't blowing uh, sunshine up fans' rear ends. They give good analysis, and I really like the mini football segment. I like that. Uh, Both hosts are well-spoken and give intelligent dialogue. A must-listen for any Bama fan, Roll Tide. So that's awesome. I love Roll the, Tide. That is awesome. I, I love the reviews, and so we committed to to going through and and uh, asking for the the uh, the reviews, and that we'd call them out. And so we've been negligent in doing that. And so those were some fresh reviews, and uh, we welcome uh, any authentic reviews that people have. Go out there to iTunes and uh, drop us a review. Uh, drop us an email if you'd like to at Alabama Football Podcast. Uh, at gmail.com or hit us up on uh, our new home on Bama Hammer. You can leave us comments and questions there. And we do our darndest to follow up on every single one. Uh, sometimes we'll put together some written articles or content around questions, or certainly we'll try to address them in the podcast. So we are just fans that love talking football. So we are 100% accessible and engageable in that way. So with that, hey, this is another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.